ready for a word tonight? I think this side is getting stronger over here. Don't worry, I'll preach to both sides. All right. Uh, hey, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, if you have them tonight, Matthew chapter 6, and uh, we are going to find ourselves in the middle of, frankly, the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. Every pastor looks at this sermon and tries to model, I would say, uh, much of the way that they prepare off of the master, uh, Jesus. And this particular sermon is what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. How many people know how long the Sermon on the Mount was? I'll tell you, three chapters. It's a joke. <laughs> three chapters. Uh, I've heard different theories. Some people think it was a short sermon. Some people say that it was days. Nobody seems to really know for certain. Um, but definitely thousands of people showed up for this. Matthew's chapter 5, 6, and 7 we see are the Sermon on the Mount, and it took place in the Galilee region. It's a very interesting backdrop if you go to Israel to see because you might think to yourself, I wonder how Jesus pulled that off. I mean, was he using a handheld or a headset, right? How did all those people hear him? And uh, there are these two hillsides that kind of come together, but then it forms a little bit of a horseshoe where they meet, and then it faces the Sea of Galilee, and it's kind of like a canyon. And uh, experts say that the acoustics in this particular spot are next to none. So that the vibration and the bouncing of the sound waves, you know, Jesus probably could have been heard by thousands of people that were seated on these particular hillsides. Uh, but what was most important, I think, was the information or the revelation, I should say, uh, that Jesus was unpacking for these people. You see, it leads up to the beginning of Matthew 5, and it says that Jesus saw there were multitudes following him. He was going around and teaching in small groups and small cities, and the more he did that, the more the following grew. And Jesus just kind of looked around seemingly one day in this moment and saw that there were thousands, tons of people here uh, who were wanting to receive from his teaching. He just kind of had them all sit and gather on these, on these hillsides, and he began to deliver what is what anybody would say is the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. Uh, if we were there, I mean, it would be hashtag Sermon on the Mount, million shares, million views. I mean, it was the thing, right? And Jesus began to unpack, I mean, if you read these three chapters, it's so full of meat. We even have in there what we refer to as the Beatitudes, which are the blessings that Jesus rolls out about the kingdom of God and those who are in line uh, with the kingdom of God. And he goes into things like marriage, how to love your enemy, how not to judge. I mean, some of the biggest topics that we could possibly think of a pastor would probably prepare a preaching schedule that would take a year to 18 months to adequately unpack these kind of topics. And Jesus nails it, nails it, the Sermon on the Mount. One little part of that is where I'd like to go tonight in Matthew 6, and it's on the subject of worry. Worry. 
And Jesus says very specifically, as he opens up these verses, do not worry. I see people laughing already. You've been worrying today about something, haven't you? Or talking about worrying. This might be for you. Jesus has something to say about it. He says, do not worry. I think worry, stress, anxiety, kind of lump those all together. Probably one of the most devastating things in our culture today to people's mental and physical health. Vast numbers of people that are on constant medication uh, for stress and anxiety. Expert physicians say that 75 to 90 percent of the leading diseases that people suffer from today can be attributed to stress, anxiety, those types of symptoms. So it is absolutely ailing people. Let me ask you a question. What do you worry about? Think about that for a moment. What do you worry about? Sometimes people worry about things like health. Constantly worrying. Something's going to go wrong. I'm going to get sick. Sometimes people worry about their finances. I'm not going to be able to afford this, or I'm going to run out of money, or am I going to have a job? Sometimes people worry about relationships. Are they going to stay intact? Are they going to continue to be harmonious and in balance? Sometimes people worry about other people leaving them, abandoning them. Sometimes people worry about what other people think of them. Right? There's a whole laundry list of things. I'm just giving you the headliners. But what is it that you worry about? What are some of the things that afflict you in the area of worry and stress on a regular basis? Going back to the physician and then kind of from the medical perspective, do you know what stress, worry, anxiety actually does to the body? It destroys the cells. There's scientific evidence of that. When a person is under high stress, the cells in the body, which we know there are millions and millions of them, begin to come under a, a type of pressure that causes the cells to become destroyed. And then that ultimately affects the physical health of that individual. There was a study that was done, and I don't know how they come up with some of these studies and surveys, but they figure out ways to do this, right? And they did a survey in the University of Cincinnati uh, to track the things that people were worrying about. So kind of like I asked you tonight, what are you worrying about? I suppose they tracked people for a while. And you know what they found out? This is crazy. 85% of the things that people were worrying about never actually ended up happening. I mean, those are overwhelming odds, aren't they? 85% of the things that were tracked that people were worrying about for however long the study went on never actually ended up happening. I mean, that's like a down payment on a problem you're never going to have. Is that worth it? Especially when we see what it does to us mentally, physically, how it affects our lives. It's very destructive. 
And Jesus says very simply, do not worry, which is actually the title of the message tonight. Do not worry. And I think that there is a lot uh, that we need to get out of Jesus' teaching in these few verses about what worry can do to us, how it affects us, and how Jesus instructs us to handle it. You know, you might hear from people in our uh, in the marketing society today that would advertise vacations. Come to this island, come to this beach, come to this resort, and forget about your worries, right? Come, get away from it all, escape. Come and enjoy a worry-free time of bliss. And then you can go back to your problems after you're done spending your time here. Hey, I am a huge proponent of rest and vacations and relaxation, absolutely. But listen to me, please don't buy the myth that the way to handle and deal with challenges in life or things that may be threatening to cause you stress and worry is to just go escape for them for a little while to get a reprieve so that you can come back ready to worry about them again. I mean, what a disappointing solution if that be our only way to handle it. But what if? What if Jesus actually instructs us to, actually equips us to, actually intends for us to have a lifestyle daily of worry-free living? Wouldn't that be amazing? In order to unpack this, we've got to dig into these verses in Matthew chapter 6 and see what Jesus has to teach us. Again, from the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask you tonight uh, to speak to us clearly. I pray, God, that you would anoint me and your words would just flow through me. I would be your instrument, this humble human vessel, this piece of clay, God, that's of no use or value without your hands using it. So I ask you to do that now. We pray that you would talk to us about worry and stress and anxiety, something that most certainly is affecting, I would say, the vast majority of us in this room tonight. Since even in this moment, this is a weight that could be lifted burden that could be shed for many and only be by your hand and the move of your spirit if that be so and we ask that you would do that tonight lord in your son's name we pray amen amen let's start uh let's start in matthew 6 verse 25 jesus says therefore i say to you do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Just pause right there. Which of you can add one cubit to his stature? Before I got a hold of this revelation, I used to worry a lot. I used to be as tall as Pastor Guy. <laughs> that, that phrase, one cubit to his stature, it's an expression. Uh, it means who could extend their life? Who could add a day to their life, any time onto their life by worrying? And in that phrase, in the use of that dialect, it implies the inverse as well, which means that to live without worry is to extend one's life. And I think we would have a great case for that scientifically when we just look at the effects that stress and worry and anxiety bring upon the physical and the mental man. Would you agree? And so point number one, or I've got a series of questions actually tonight that I want us to ask ourselves that lead us through the message, and question number one is, what is worry? What is worry? Now, I'm going to begin by actually defining what it's not before we talk about what it is, as the Bible describes it. And it gets tricky sometimes when you're reading Scripture because we're reading our English translation, and there are times where English words are used interchangeably for things because that's just the way the English language works, but it doesn't necessarily give us a really good indication of what the original text meant. We have to dig a little bit further. So we would be, uh, it would be accurate to say that we misuse the word worry sometimes as the Bible is describing what worry is and how harmful it is. Like we might say, man, I'm really worried about what the Cardinals are going to do about their coaching next year. Right? Some of you are thinking, I'm kind of worried Pastor Matt's going to go a little long tonight. I mean, he just got to point number one. That's not the kind of worry, it better not be, actually, <laughs> the kind of worry that Jesus is talking about. It's not, uh, it, when we say, I'm worried about something, sometimes we say that as a phrase or a statement mainly because we want to be precautionary or we want to be wise in how we go about avoiding a potential pitfall. I might say, man, I'm kind of worried that my tires won't make it on this trip we're going to take, so I think I'm going to change my tires now before I go, right? It's, it's based on the way the Bible's talking about worry. That would be an inaccurate use of that, of that term. What worry means According to the way that Jesus is using it here, it means to be completely divided and distracted into pieces, to be separated from something that is stable. It actually means a sinful kind of anxiety because we begin to worry about things that Jesus has already given us promises about. Does that make sense? It says, if I've already given you an answer and a promise about something, then your faith can run with that. But to be divided from that and to experience worry and stress and doubt about your life in an area where I've already given you a promise for, 
that is going to have a devastating and detrimental effect on your well-being. And it's of no value to you at all. You might say, I know somebody that has had a panic or a stress or an anxiety attack. Right? Let me be clear. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) It's an attack. It's something that comes against a person that affects a person in a way that is not in line with the will of God or the intention of God for his children. So we have to make a decision. Will we allow that? Some of us who think, well, I live with worry every day. I want you to think about this. I want to nudge you politely to think about this. Is that something you're willing to tolerate in your life if Jesus offers a better way? No, I would hope no. You see, it's it's something that it's like buying into a lie that God is not going to, that God doesn't have this area of my life, right? We think about things that God gives us promises for, and we could say, man, God's got this. My faith needs to be active, but I, God's got this. But if I don't know God's got this, then I might be subject to an attack that will begin to bring worry in my life about what does the outcome look like for me in this area? My finances, my health, my relationships. And Jesus says, hey, don't worry about the basic things in life. I've got you covered. Let's focus on some of the greater things that are kingdom priority. You don't need to be running around worrying about basic little things that I say I'm going to provide for you every day. Have trust, have faith, and know that I'm going to cover those things. It's it's like knowing there's a covering there for us, for the promises of God that we can embrace, and then not have to worry about that in our lives as we live daily. Question number two is, why do we worry? Why? Why do we worry? And I kind of alluded to this already here in this whole area of distrust or maybe not knowing that God has got an area of my life covered or something he's got a promise for for me that he wants to do or will do if I have faith. But let's read in verses uh, 28 through 30, moving on to this from this section, he says, So why do you worry about things like clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I love this. He's... He's doing some comparisons now. He's saying, well, if God's taking care of the flowers in the field and the grass has the moisture and it's got its food and its nutrients from the soil, things we probably don't think about very often. He says, if all of that is taken care of, how much more does your father not care about providing for you who are his child? Do you trust that? Do you know that? So I think that we worry sometimes about things because maybe one, 
there's an absence of truth. We just don't know. We haven't read what the scriptures say. We haven't heard a preacher talk about it before or teach on it. We haven't read it for ourselves. So we just, there's an unknown factor. That's why we must live on daily bread. Revelation feeds our soul. Right? But there's an absence of truth about an area. If I don't know God has promises about my finances, if I don't know God has promises for me about my health, if I don't know those things, then I would be subject to worrying about those things. You following me? But I think there are other times where perhaps it's not an absence of truth, but an absence of trust. I've heard it, but do I really trust it? And you see, trust requires, it's kind of like a, a complete letting go. Not one hand on, a couple fingers on. Let me just, just, like, just so I feel comfortable, you know. It's like full surrender is, is the way trust is, is described and defined. It's do I really, really trust? Have I given this entirely to God? Is it a set it and forget it kind of thing where I know and I just keep having faith in my daily living for the things that God has made promises to me about? You say, wow, that's seems, you know, like that's not possible. Just set it and forget it. Like, don't worry about it. There are a lot of things that we do. And we just have blind trust that it's going to work out. You know, it's funny. I set my thermostat uh, for the temperature control in the evening while we're asleep. And I never think to myself, man, I just am so worried that that thing is not going to work. I just, I'm going to sit here and watch this thing all night long to just make sure it follows through. There's gas coming into the building. I'm not sitting here thinking, man, if that, that gas line fails, I'm, we, are, we are all goners. <laughs> Boom, we're out of here. It's a set it and forget it kind of thing, isn't it? I mean, you just, you have this sort of blind trust that's going to work, it's going to be okay, it's going to be fine, but yet we wrestle sometimes with this concept about our life, about our relationships, about our finances, about our health, about all these other things that Jesus has promises for his children for, and we think, ah, oh, I don't know, I gotta, I'm worried about how this thing is going to work out. He doesn't say don't be prayerful or don't have faith. He just says don't worry about it. Don't have a stress, an anxiety, a, a, a kind of panic or an uneasiness, a doubt that leaves you divided and distracted from what the truth of God is and causes you to be fractured and separated from that walk and isolates you over here in a walk where you're surrounded by an unknown where God gives us a known for that. He says that's not... That's not my plan for you. And you don't have to live that way. I've told this story before, and so you may have heard it. But whenever we had started having kids early on, uh, it was not easy for us to have children in the beginning. And I know you wouldn't believe that now, six kids later. But we went through a lot early on, and it worked. <laughs> um, but I think some of the challenges that we went through, you know, Katie and I both dealt with it a little bit differently. For me, I think it carried over 
into when they became little, and I, I just always worried about, like, something would happen to them. You know, I just, I, I tried to be there all the time, watch them be there. If they would be out in the front yard, no go. They got to be in the backyard where the fence is. And just, I was just worried all the time, you know. And I remember one day that the Lord spoke to me and he said, Matt, <laughs> you can trust me with them. In fact, I'm more trustworthy than you. And it just, it just kind of shifted a lot for me. And I realized I had not put my babies in Jesus' hands. And it opened up this whole swell of thinking of like, what else in my life am I holding on to like this? I mean, I know the word, right? I, I'm a, I'm a God-fearing man. I know the word, yet I'm worrying about an area of my life that God has for me. And it's affecting me. And it's affecting how I parent. I'm thankful that he opened my eyes and helped me see some of those things. But I think there are all kinds of areas that we have in our life that we might be living like this. Is this speaking to anybody tonight, right? We, we worry about things and God says, I don't want you to worry about it. It's not doing anything for you. It's not adding one cubit to your stature. It's not prolonging your life. It's not improving your life. It's not benefiting your life. It's only having the opposite effect on you, actually. So why do it? Let's move on to verse 31 through 33. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all of these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. This is a big promise right here. And so if you follow through the Sermon on the Mount, basically, uh, Jesus is unpacking these teachings and some of these challenges that are real life challenges they were facing then we're facing today they look different in our context but they're still real problems right real battles real challenges and then he's kind of giving the solution as he's doing that and, and here in this verse he says seek first the kingdom of God his righteousness and all of these things these needs these necessities the things that you got to have will be added unto you. So he's basically saying, if your heart, first and foremost, your desire, your will, your pursuit and your aim, above all things, is to build his kingdom, not your kingdom, if that's what you're going after, don't worry about all this stuff. <laughs> You'll have everything you need at the appointed time and in the appointed measure. He promises to provide that. What a wonderful, wonderful promise. I don't need to know exactly how and when it's going to show up. I like to know. I like to know. But I don't have to know. Make sense? Because there's a part of me that knows it's going to show up. It's going to arrive. And the daily battle is, 
Will I remember that or will I worry about that? It's not here yet, Lord. You're worrying. <laughs> and that could be so many different things. But he says, seek first the kingdom of God. And I would encourage us to apply this promise to every area of our lives. If my highest desire in my relationships with who I'm dating or my spouse or whatever that might look like. I'm not dating anybody. You know what I'm saying, right? It just sounded weird. If my highest, our highest desire in our relationships that we are pursuing above all things is that they would be godly, that they would be done his way, he says, I'll bless them. I'll provide what's needed for that. If my highest desire in my career, in my vocation, in what I use my gifts and talents to do is just to bring him honor and glory, he says, I'll bless it. I'll provide for you. I'll make sure you got everything you need. Apply this promise to every area of our lives and then live under the blessing and the covering that God wants to give us for that so that we don't have to worry about the outcome every single day. Plan yeah, strategize, sure, but worry, absolutely not. It's detrimental to the outcome. It's bad for your health. And nobody else likes to be around somebody that worries all the time either. Am I right or am I right? I mean, I can only take so much of that. I had my dose for the day, you know, that person worries all the time. You just say, hey, have you read Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34? Don't worry. Oh, jump down to verse 34, and look at what he packs on. Right here, this punch at the end. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is today's own trouble. Oh. This one blew me away one day when I was studying this, and the Lord kind of opened my eyes to this. Well, first of all, it says, it says, sufficient for the day is today's own trouble, which what that means is every day when we're walking in a fallen, broken world, the inherent present of evil exists. So let me say it a different way. You got to fight to fight every day when you wake up. It's coming, whether you like it or not. Sufficient for the day is today's own trouble. The presence of evil exists in every day until we go to be with Jesus in heaven. So we have to fight every day in this spiritual battle that we're in when, we, when our eyes open and we wake up. He says, that day, that's sufficient for that day. So here's what the Lord showed me on one day. He says, to, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own things he says, there's, there's so many people, and I've done this too, that they take tomorrow's worry and they bring it into their today. It's compounded worry. That don't sound good. But that is what happens. People get so accustomed to worrying about things that they start worrying about everything, and then it becomes a stronghold. 
And this is how the enemy works. He chips away, he chips away, he takes it all. Get him, I'll get him, I got him. Worry about this, worry about that. Now all of a sudden, we're worrying about worrying. <laughs> Something's going to happen. I don't know what it is, and I'll be worried about that when it happens. I'm worried right now that whatever it is, I'm going to be worried about. <laughs> this is the mental state in our society of many people. I mean, I'm kind of having fun, but it's, it's a serious topic. Don't worry about tomorrow. Today, they're bringing, they're, they're bringing tomorrow's worry into their today. They're compounding it, and they're becoming a prisoner. Let me tell you something. Your mind can be trained. Going back to the scientific part again, I just like it when science proves the Bible. That's all. And so going back to that, the, there's scientific evidence. I have a good friend who's a neurosurgeon, and, he's, and we talked about this. There are neuropaths that get worn into the circuitry of our mind and our brain as we think thoughts repetitively. It becomes like a, a worn highway and trail through the woods. It's just easier to follow, and our thoughts just naturally travel down that place. So what I'm getting at is just much like when a doctor hits your knee, and it's going to kick no matter what. You know that. When we worry and worry and worry about things, all of the sudden what ends up happening is that the response is ingrained in us to be as responsive worry. And we don't even know it happened. <laughs> but we're already there. And we're worrying. And it becomes a stronghold. It's, it's the response that somebody, someone can begin to have about every single area of their lives. Tom's coughing. Oh, my God, he's got COVID. Oh, my gosh. Lord help us, right? It's just, instead of, probably fine, probably some dust. You know what I'm saying? It just becomes a response about everything that's going on, and they're, they're living in this stronghold. But praise God, the Bible says that we can have our minds transformed in Christ. So let me break that down on the scientific level, right? You know that whole neuropath wiring and circuitry? When the wa water washing of the word over our minds begins to happen, rewires our thinking in our mind. We become, we get new paths of neurocircuitry that begin to align with what God's promises and God's word says. And then our reaction, instead of being one prone to worry, starts to become one that's automatically prone to blessing and hope and favor and life and goodness. My God's got a report for that. My God is good. My God is always with me. And I know what it says. So whatever I'm going through, I'm going to speak life. I'm going to speak hope. I'm going to speak faith. And they won't be empty words. It's going to be coming from a place of substance in my soul that believes it. And the promises of God will be released in my life according to my faith. Is don't worry about tomorrow. And then the last question is, well, what to do with worry? What to do? Jesus says, don't worry about anything. And we think to ourselves, easy for you to say, Jesus, you're God. What do we do with worry? 
And this is what I love. If you really look at the Servant on the Mount from kind of a 30,000-foot view, here's what you're going to find. Don't judge. Love your enemy. Love your spouse. Don't be selfish. Be a peacemaker. You know, all these things. You know what it is? It's a constant reminder in everything that Jesus is telling us is the way to live. It's a constant reminder that grace is necessary to do it. It's a constant reminder. You see, if Jesus wasn't packaging this whole thing up with him being the answer, (laughs) then there would be an emptiness in the solution. Do all these things that are impossible to achieve in our human But at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 8, as you get into it, it says, and then the multitudes decided to follow him. So at the hearing and the sayings of Jesus and seeing who he is, guess what? We say, I'll follow him. I'll go where he tells me to go. And so it's it's this whole sermon that's about all these things that God wants us to do in the way we want, he wants us to live our life. And then he's the answer. He's the solution. Grace is necessary for every one of them, and it's necessary every day for us too. But his grace will supply. It runneth abundantly in the lives of his children, and it is sufficient for everything that we would need. You see, he is the answer, and he is the solution. It says this in 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 7, I'm going to read the Amplified Version. Listen to this. Casting all of your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you carefully. Say, what do I do about worry? Don't worry. What do I do about, what do I do when I start to worry, right? I'm getting ready to worry. I'm setting on. Cast your cares. It means throw them at his feet. Heap them off of you and onto him. (laughs) He wants them. He wants you to give them to him. He wants us to give them to him. Just cast them on him. I promise you, he's got big, big shoulders. He can carry the load. Sometimes I thought that I could carry the load. And it's not long before I realize how weak in the knees, I actually am. I got to get them off of me, and I got to put them where he says they're supposed to be, which is on him. Dig into the word, yeah. Call call your your friends and your small group and your family for prayer, absolutely. Know what the promises say, absolutely all of that. But we got to get them off of us. Cast our cares on Jesus, and he says, Because he loves you that much. He cares for you with deep affection. He watches over you carefully. Let me say it like this. He's just waiting for you to give them to him. And believe and know that he's going to take them from you when he does, when we do. Amen. It's awesome, isn't it? Listen to this in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. You see, it's all through scripture. (laughs) There's Psalms and other places it says these things too. But you could say uh, another translation, worry about nothing. But be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is warfare right here. That's a battle plan right there. I mean, I feel like I'm a general in an army unpacking that right there and laying out weapons for war. He says, you know what you do? Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything and give thanks. Love this. Did you know that we can be thanking, for God, thanking God for situations that are out of our control? Instead of worrying about it, I'm thanking him for that. God, I'm Thank you that in the midst of this thing, when I can't even see the outcome, you got me, God. Thank you for that. Thank you, God, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And when I don't see myself the way I know you do, you still see me the way that you do, God. You get the idea. You could be thanking him. And it says you, you, we actually have to do that. You know, it has to be expressed. You ever had these situations in your life with relationships and people, friends or family, and you go through something, you have a conversation, whatever, you walk away, you think, man, I wish I would have said this. There are times in our lives where things get left unsaid, and it's not healthy. He's saying, I know what I've done for you, but I want to hear it from you. <laughs> I want to hear you say it because there's power in you declaring it and you being thankful for that. Something happens in you and in your situation that changes things when you begin to convey and express your gratitude and thankfulness for the fact that I am in full control of this situation of your life. He doesn't need it. I need it. And it's good for me. But we've got to get in that habit and that routine of going to prayer and thankfulness and let that peace that he's talking about begin to cover us and come over us. You know, Jesus is the prince of peace, right? And what does it say he'll do here? He will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Guard. This hit me one day. He is my defender. The Prince of Peace. I'm to have gratitude, be thankful, pray, trust, hope. Not be subject to worry. In order for that to never creep in. And get inside. I need a guard at the gates. He says the peace of God. That surpasses your understanding. Meaning you have no natural capability to grasp this. You have no strength in yourself ever to compare or compete with what I'm getting ready to show, show you that I will do. The peace of God that surpasses understanding. Miraculous heavenly peace. It will guard your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus. It'll protect you. It'll protect your mind. It'll build an impenetrable defense around your wiring, your thinking, your thoughts. And it will keep 
the enemy from getting in and trying to sow seeds of doubt and hopelessness in your life about any situation that you might be going through. So I want, to, I want you to think about this tonight as we kind of wrap this up. I asked you in the beginning, what do you worry about? What are things that cause you stress, panic, anxiety? If those things are in your life anywhere at all. I want to encourage you tonight. God offers a solution. I did not say, you did not hear me say, life will be void of problems. I did say, Jesus offers worry-free living. There's a difference. But this worry-free living, none of us are perfect, right? But I, I would say, for those of us who've tasted of it, to just know the sweetness, the peace, of being in a place of trust. God has so got this thing. <laughs> oh, it's a treasure. And it's part of what he wants us to have. Jesus is laying it down. Best message ever preached. Right there in chapter 6, in the middle of this message, he says, oh, by the way, don't worry about anything. I can only imagine how this had to be hitting people. Don't worry. Huh. Where's this guy from? Huh. You know, we're, we're about out of wood. We ain't got much grain left. Don't worry. We better be worrying. He introduces a completely different concept. Worry-free living. Because you can go through your life, face every challenge, every trial, anything you'll go through, and yeah, you're going to have to fight, but you can do it from a place of rest and from a place of peace. And frankly, friends, that's where strength exists. He says, it's in your weakness that my miraculous strength is perfected. And I know without him, much to worry about. With him. Worry-free living. God has me covered. And I am his child. Amen? I want to invite you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to just think about whatever, if the Lord was kind of nudging you. Maybe there's an area of your life. But just right now, between you and God, you're watching online, this is for you too. Between you and God, you know you have not fully trusted him in this particular area. And, and I believe the Lord's even just saying this to me right now, that for many people who are feeling that way, your heart actually is kind of saying, but, but I want to. <laughs> I want to. Lord is just petitioning you now will you cast this thing on me will you lay this thing at my feet let me take it 
you got to know that I got it. And you're probably going to get up tomorrow and have to remind yourself again that God's got it. Or it'll be just like putting that coat right back on again. But will you cast this thing upon him? Do you believe that he is the Prince of Peace? Do you believe that he intends for you to live in a place of rest and with his grace flowing abundantly in your life every day to where everything that you would ever need in the right timing and in the right measure will be available to you so long as you seek first his kingdom, his will, and his plans for your lives. If your heart be aimed in that direction, then my friends, there is a promise for you. There is good news. The God of heaven wants to carry this burden for you. Now cast it on him right now. Health, relationships, finances, whatever it might be. Just picture yourself taking it off, of, almost like a cloak, taking it off of your shoulders. And just laying it on him. He's smiling at you. It fits him a lot better than it fits you. <laughs> we thank you, Jesus, so much. Oh, I thank you, Jesus. That you are not a God of empty promises. I thank you that you're not a God of instruction without solutions. And I thank you so much. That you are a God of grace and mercy beyond anything that we deserve. Oh, we love you, Jesus. And you are worthy of all of our praise and adoration and affection. You are a king worth serving. You are a king worth following. And we thank you tonight with all of our heart. And we will continue to profess our thanks day in and day out for who you are to us and the promises that you've given us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Everybody said amen. Now, while every head is still bowed and every eye closed, I don't want to leave tonight without the opportunity to just ask you, are you right with Jesus? Do you know him well? Would you say that he is a friend. He's Lord, but he's friend, which means that there's a relationship there. You know him. You know you're going to heaven. You know that you're saved and that you're a child of God. You know, the Bible says that we would, we should live with the assurance of that, the blessed hope. Not an ambiguity or an uncertainty. I won't really know till I get there. No. He says, you actually should know when you're changed and born again, you know. You say, Pastor, I want that. I desire that. I don't know what that is, but I want it. I want to tell you tonight that you can have it. And you can have it right now. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. You can only come through me.
There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to forgiveness. There's only one way to purposeful living as God has created you for purpose. And that's to know Him. If you desire that tonight, you say this prayer that I'll lead you in and mean this in your heart. And God will mean business with you. Maybe you're somebody who's say I, I've done that before but I've walked away I went down a different path for however long and it's been a broken path it's been really bad actually and I need to get back I, I really don't even know how to get back because it's been so bad and maybe the enemy has lied and convinced you that you've got to earn your way back and that seems overwhelming but just like the prodigal son the father runs to the son where he is when he decides he wants to come home he doesn't make the son come back and re-earn his rights and privileges they're already there ready to meet him the moment that he decides he wants to come home and that could be you tonight as well. You've walked away. Either of those situations describe you. You want to give your heart to Christ. Confess Him as your Lord and Savior. Put your life in His hands. Or get back to walking with Him. If that's you, would you raise your hand while the heads are, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. I just want to see. Yes, God bless you. I see a hand. I see a hand. Is there anyone else? I need that prayer tonight. I want to make that decision tonight. I feel like maybe there's one more person. I don't know. That just, you're kind of tarrying. The Lord's pulling at you and a lot going through your mind. Yes, ma'am. God bless you. God bless you. Maybe it's somebody watching right now, too. Listen, mean business with God. And I promise you, He will meet you right where you are. You say, Dear Lord, I give my heart to you, I give my life to you. I turn from the ways I've known. I turn from that old life. It's no more. And I turn entirely to you. I'm committing my life into your hands. I believe that I can do that because Jesus, you died on the cross and rose from the grave so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be saved. And so would you wash me clean? of my sin by your precious blood would you fill me with your spirit God would you help me to become the person that you've created me to be the grace that saveth is the grace that leadeth our daily path may the good Lord bless you richly May he sow it deep into your heart, the assurance and the certainty that you are a child of God, that you are an heir of righteousness, that you are a son or a daughter in the kingdom of God. You are a part of his family and you are heaven bound. Hallelujah. Can we just give the Lord praise?